as students what we need to be successful. I feel like you need a lot of guidance from like your uh, peers around you because they uh, may help you in the long run. I feel like we need motivation and people to understand that everyone isn't the same and don't have the same learning style. Hi everyone and welcome to Equity in New Haven. My name is Mishgan Feroz and I'm one of the Equity Access and Achievement TOSAs here at James Logan High School. Each episode we will focus on highlighting our district's DEI efforts and shedding some light on important issues. We hope that you find our episodes helpful and informative. Thank you for joining us for part two of our culturally responsive teaching episode. In this segment, we will discuss what culture encompasses and what are some ways in which educators can engage in self-inquiry to prepare for this work. Hope you enjoy. What does culture encompass? Like, um, what would, yeah, how would you describe culture? I think there's the surface level, um, which is important, like to understand like where they come from, what traditions they um, practice, the languages they bring to the classroom. Um, but we want to go beyond that, I think, so that that creates more belonging to. I don't know if you both want to speak to the different levels. Oh, yeah, I, I think I, I, I do want to say that we, we definitely have to give credit to Zaretta Hammond to yes, actually... Yeah. I mean, the way I see the, the way I've always seen um, culturally responsive teaching and community responsive, uh, community uh, relevant um, education is it's technically you're, you're taking everything that we have from our indigenous mm -hmm. uh, cultures, right? How we learn and how we're passing down knowledge and how we bring it to the next generation, and then that came about with, with ethnic studies, right? People fought for it. People fought mm -hmm. for that belonging in the, in the academic spaces. And I think with what Zoretta Hammond's doing is she's evolving ethnic studies, right? Mm -hmm. and, and making it more, taking it out of just <clears throat> ethnic studies classrooms. And so, you know, with, with the levels of, you know, you're, you're seeing your students just for face value. What do they wear? What do they listen to? How are they speaking, right? And then to that deeper level of culture and traditions and mm -hmm. customs, and then go deeper to the unspoken stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Like that she talks about. Um, you don't get to that deeper spot until you make those connections. Right? Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's easy for a lot of us teachers and we've seen it in um, diversity trainings and multicultural assemblies and stuff. You, you always see just all of, all that surface level stuff. And, you know, it's, it's, it's cool. Like you have a week in school that you're <laughs> celebrating culture, but why not make it every single day? <laughs> yeah. You know what? Like let's, it's definitely important to celebrate the birthdays, right? Yeah. Like, and that's how we, maybe we can see the months and the awareness months, right? Like Black History Month. Yes, mm -hmm. Black History Month is important, but we should be talking Black History mm -hmm. every single day, yeah, right? Absolutely. And it, we should just be relegated to months. And so for the students in the classroom, for the teachers on the campus to build that community, to get to that second level, mm -hmm. and then even the deeper level, um, we have to make an everyday thing, right? To, to show that love, to show that mm -hmm. connection, because, you know, if we're talking about expectations and raising expectations for our scholars to to be better than they ever thought they could be, mm -hmm. right? We have to we we have to show them that we love, them. we have to show right. them that we care, so that when we come down on them saying, "Hey, you know, you can do better," they'll say, "You know what? They're not doing this just mm -hmm. to make me feel bad. They're not doing this to reprimand. They're doing this because they really honestly care about." Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And so I I think you know like 
I, I love the fact that we're, we're moving now to district-wide, county-wide, statewide, mm-hmm. right? Uh, appreciation for culturally responsive teaching because it's it's what we've been doing, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. In our families, it's what we've been doing. Right. We're trying to unlearn everything that we learned just yeah. to get back to it, right? Yeah. Exactly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, and, and to add to that, and even just me mentioning the word decolonization, it brings me to like the foundation for myself as an educator. That foundation has always been indigenous. Mm-hmm. And I view that as the gift. I don't want to say tool. Mm-hmm. I want to say more like the gift that I'm giving my students because whenever I start any semester or year, mm-hmm. I start off with indigenous knowledge. And and I have to credit the folks in Arizona at Chico, Chicano Institute for Teaching and Organizing, Sean Arce, Curtis Acosta, Anita Fernandez, the whole team for being willing and open to share mm-hmm. what they were doing in their Mexican American studies department in Tucson and sharing the knowledge of behind the Naui Olin, which is something that I always start the year off with to ground my students in that indigeneity, because that's the foundation that I believe we're missing. Mm-hmm. We've been so separated mm-hmm. from our indigeneity and the system that we are all in is not healthy. Mm-hmm. It's not good for our children. And so if I can offer them something that will ground them in that, make them curious, mm-hmm. bring them back to remembering right who they are, why they're here, mm-hmm. that's where the learning starts for me. So I, like, first five weeks, it's an intro to ethnic studies, mm-hmm. and then go right into the Naui Odin. And I have all sorts of activities that I push in to complement that, but... You know, it's literally the Naoyolin is like giving them a roadmap mm-hmm. that allows them to take knowledge in, reflect on how the knowledge applies to them and how they wound up in the situation that they're in, mm-hmm. and then look at how they want to transform, what is it they need to change, and then make an actual concrete plan with steps that mm-hmm. they're going to take to flip the script, to shift whatever it is that they're doing that hasn't been working for mm-hmm. them. And once they understand that, then they start to kind of just, my goal is for them to do it intrinsically. Mm-hmm. So that you can take this knowledge, this is knowledge coming from your ancestors, from your elders, and you can apply it to anything. You can right. apply it to school, you can apply it to your relationships with family members, with uh, significant others, mm-hmm. with your relationship with work, with anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I just really feel that our our system of education is not set up for our humanity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We all come, everyone, mm-hmm. white folks as well, come from indigenous communities that offered knowledge. And we were so disconnected from that. We're only on this, you know, very driven, straight line, Eurocentric way of learning mm-hmm. that really has no room for our whole mm-hmm. selves. And I think that's what I love about being an ethnic studies teacher is being able to shift that for my students and offer them another perspective that they're not going to get in a traditional setting. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Th- there was a, a, a quote. I actually, I don't even remember whom I heard it from or where I heard it. I, I want to say it was, it was probably an MC or a rapper. Um, America cannot exist without separating us from our identities. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that that has definitely been a, a part of my approach. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know what? It's probably a mortal technique. 
and one of them okay. like these those old albums so that first started teaching, right? <laughs> um, and it, it it always brought me back to one of um, our, our ethnic studies predecessors, one of our ancestors, uh, Doctor Don Bohulano Mabalon, mm-hmm. right? The three main questions she she would have students ask um, is, "Who am I? Mm-hmm. Who is my family and my community?" Mm-hmm. And uh, what what can I do to improve the situation for myself, my family, and community, mm-hmm. right? And really taking a look at that and connecting it even to the seven generations principle, mm-hmm. right? And really understanding like where you're at, you know, uh, with with your experience with the lives of the people you're connected to, whether it's your immediate family in that lineage or just your community. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely think that. If we're shifting culture in the classroom, eventually we can shift culture out in the community. Right. right? Yeah. And I think um, with everything that we're doing, it, again, it's like, I feel like we're, we, we have the cheat code. Ethnic studies is the cheat code, you know, <laughs> um, because as, as, as educators and practitioners, that was the first thing that we had to really discover about ourselves is who am I? Right. right? In, in this society, who am I? Who am I really? Not mm. who am I? Based on what these institutions expected right. me to be, but yeah. who am I, and and who really are my 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 parents, who really are my siblings, mm-hmm. and what made our relationship, you know, whether it's a great relationship you have, or whether it's dysfunctional, like what what factors outside of the home actually made that happen, mm-hmm. right? and to really understand that, and for me, it's it's kind of you know the way it's pretty cliche, I don't know, like. I'm pretty sure if you've been in, around enough ethnic studies circles that you're, you'll hear ethnic studies saved my life. Mm-hmm. Right. And for a lot of us, it, it is. It, right. It brought us into, exactly. Yeah, right. It's true. It brought it's true. us into a, a path of real yeah. wellness. Right. Um, and, and real um, connection with our identity, our people, right. our community, and what we hope our future to be. And I, and I want to key in on the word hope. Mm-hmm. Right. Because once we understand that, once we understand our role, that it gives us hope that we hopefully can, can pass on to the, to, to the students in the next generation. Right. And it makes me think of, too, um, kind of like what Zaretta Hammond says are like the deeper levels of culture, which then goes to like what are your values, like core beliefs, right. and like how, does, how do everyone's values kind of interconnect? So it's like you do need to establish those relationships in the classroom for it to get that deep. But when I think of the most impactful teacher I had, he was an English teacher, shout out to Mr. Krieger, but he kind of did like a two leg system where he taught the standards, but he would dedicate a whole entire um, projects to like self inquiry and like, who are you? What are your values? Um, how does it connect to the community? But it's like doable because um, that's the framework he used. And it makes you think like, okay, yeah, who am I? And I, I do have value. So just thinking of how that can have a ripple effect if it was taught throughout like all English classes or mm-hmm. all elementary level classes, um, being able to have that empowerment at from kindergarten, asking those questions of who am I? Mm-hmm. Wow, that'll be so much powerful. I mean, just imagine from like kinder to 12th grade and just yeah. building up on each other. That would be amazing. Well, that's but the path, well, right? That's, yeah. That's what we Yeah. And I know that there's other districts. I mean, we know just up the road, right? Oakland. I mean, mm-hmm. Fatima and I have been part of that mm-hmm. um, throughout different periods of its inception. But, um, but yeah, just the, you know, when we all, I think when we all think back on like the educators that mm-hmm. really moved us and, and, you know, reached that deep part of us mm-hmm. that made us shift in the, in our way of thinking. You know, it's um, it's always those teachers mm-hmm. that made us reflect. 
that mm-hmm. encouraged us to reflect and right. provided us with the tools to be able to continue doing that later on. So it right. wasn't just like, oh, you're doing this for this assignment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you're doing this because it's like a bigger purpose right. for this assignment that's going to actually, you're going to remember this the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are the, I think, the ones that, um, that I think we can all say connected with most. And, and I, I, I can, you know, I know Ivan probably does the same thing. I have students that come back to me, like mm-hmm. literally at this point, decades later. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll say, yeah, like, I remember when we did this, or I remember when we did that. And, and it's, it's nice to know that they remember. Right. You want to think that you're leaving your students with something that matters mm-hmm. you know, in their life. It, it wasn't just that you taught them about you know, the American Revolution, or, you know. So I think the more that we can create spaces where we can do that for our students, mm-hmm. not just in ethnic studies, but across mm-hmm. subject matter, right. that we can make the teaching relevant mm-hmm. to their lives, I think we have so much more of an impact. And I think that that's that idea of taking ethnic studies and weaving it in TK-12, mm-hmm. TK-16, right? right? All the way through community college and four-year so that it's not just a class that you get, mm-hmm. if you're lucky enough to get it, but mm-hmm. it's a pedagogy. It's like the way you're interacting with your teachers, the way the teachers are interacting with the families, the way the families are connecting through community mm-hmm. so that it's like us, you know, yes. a true community that's mm-hmm. all working together, that village, right? Exactly. Fatima, you had mentioned earlier how your teacher would dedicate projects to self-inquiry. I was thinking, what about educators? What can educators do to engage in self-inquiry for themselves to prepare for this work? So one way they can prepare is to reflect on um, the eight competencies for being culturally responsive. So before they can kind of be culturally responsive um, and kind of push the work with fidelity, they kind of need to reflect on what are their strengths. So some of them, uh, Marisa, you touched on like um, connecting with the community, like how well do you connect with the community, with families, and how well do you bring that into the classroom? Um, Because kind of bridging that gap, I feel like, also brings in the trust of the students and makes them want to do better. Um, Also redressing like your own bias. So like, what what are you bringing into the classroom? Because we all have that. Um, mm-hmm. What are your cult- what culture are you bringing in? Because that kind of shapes how you view your students, whether you like it or not. Um, so that's why it's important to kind of like reflect what kind of like media are you taking in? Like what books are you reading? Like is it all from like one perspective? And if it is, kind of just like disrupting that and kind of going outside your mm-hmm. bubble or out- even outside of people people you typically associate with. Because mm-hmm. then that kind of helps you redress your bias. Um, also, um, how well do you model high expectations? So, like, again, thinking of um, students' assets, bringing, thinking of their languages and cultures as assets as opposed to, like, mm-hmm. barriers to learning. Um, and then also communicating in culturally responsive ways. So that mm-hmm. doesn't even have to just be, like, where their families are from, but also your classroom. Like, what's culturally responsive for your classroom? Like, what lingo do they use? Like, how can mm-hmm. you connect to them in that way? Um, and that's also academic language, too. So that can also be culturally responsive. Um, am I missing any? I know it's connecting to families. Um, also, this one is huge. I think bringing re- real-world issues into the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, because I found, um, and Marisa, I think you can speak to this, um, when there were certain curriculums we'd bring in, 
Um, and I noticed students were disconnected. They're like, what am I going to do with this poem that has nothing to do with me? Um, being able to bring in works that actually touch them on a deeper level. And you instantly notice the shift, like students that don't raise their hand, raise their hand. They understand. They see someone that looks like them. Um, they see more of the rhythm, more of the lyrical element. So mm-hmm. kind of just being conscious, like moving with your students. Um, so it takes some adapting. And I think in order to do that, you do need to kind of reflect on yourself in order mm-hmm. to be able to adapt with your class. Um, and then the one of the last things is um, jo- drawing on their culture to shape the curriculum. Mm-hmm. So that kind of takes some time at the beginning of the year to gather all the information. Mm-hmm. So that can even be like sending out family surveys, like mm-hmm. getting to know the families. And that also builds trust. So collecting all that data and then kind of like, oh, I know this person loves this song. How can I incorporate yeah. it into a morning meeting? Um, and they'll kind of like perk up and be more engaged. I know this student loves this game. So it's just little ways that mm-hmm. you're building in their culture, building in their interests into the curriculum mm-hmm. um, and just reflecting on those. So kind of asking yourself, what are my strengths within those eight competencies and like, where do I want to grow? Mm-hmm. So I don't know if y'all want to add to that. Well, I mean, I would completely agree in terms of everything, but um, bringing in the, what the students are passionate about. Yeah. You know, if you know that you have students whose strengths are in theater or strengths are in poetry or art, music, uh, anything, you know, even sports. Mm-hmm. I mean, Oakland Unified did the, let's take it back to Oakland again, but, <laughs> but we did a lot of this work in Oakland um, is to create the sports ethnic studies unit. You know, mm. we're looking at like it was an entire unit, uh, I believe six weeks, um, based on even longer than that, based on on sports. So being able to tie that curriculum into something that's going to matter to the kids, as yeah. opposed to it just mattering to you because mm-hmm. you're comfortable with it, <laughs> you have to be able to step outside of yourself and become yeah. comfortable with what they're comfortable with, so that you can really you know connect. And I I like to do um, I. I come from a theater background, but mm-hmm. I notice a lot of the students here at Logan also come from like mm-hmm. art, music, theater. So I'm kind of trying to start shifting things so I can di- I can um, connect in that way with students and mm-hmm. create spaces for um, you know political theater or um, songwriting. You know, uh, maybe we need a mariachi group here at Logan. You know, <laughs> yeah. there's all sorts of things, all sorts of ways that. Then I can, you know, do a unit on um, revolutionary music, or, mm-hmm. and and connect it to what they're listening to today. So it's not just about the historical piece, but how that drives what's happening now, and mm-hmm. and how it's you know relevant to history. Mm-hmm. I think if we're looking at the the competencies, right? I, I think one thing that's that's kind of there that kind of touches upon like your own personal biases. I think I want to take that a, a step further. And just really like make sure that if folks are coming into a classroom as an educator, that they're real, they're really real with themselves, right? Like Mm -hmm. just to come in and be vulnerable Mm -hmm. with young people. And I know for a lot of adults, it's scary. Yeah. Right. That's like one of the scariest things. Like Mm -hmm. we might catch some grief for this, but there's teachers that are here for, various reasons right mm-hmm. there's teachers who are really here for the students there's teachers here that the teachers i've had being professors that became professors because of the power that they felt uh, in, mm, right. in in having this yeah. knowledge and imparting this knowledge and a very specific knowledge by the way um but they weren't making any connections right, right. and 
I think, and even for me, I'm about to be 45 years old this year and I'm still learning right along with my students. And as much as I feel like I know about the curriculum and, and the framework and what ethnic studies is every single week, every single month, I'm challenged by the students right. because as, as much as I feel like I'm connected with the students and I understand my biases, I understand my role in, in the space as a cisgender male of color, um, their relationships with, with men, I have no idea about, yeah. right? Just because I know I'm vulnerable with them I'm, and I'm showing them I care about them doesn't necessarily mean like, okay, well, that doesn't erase the relationships I've had with these men in my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or even the young man, like that doesn't erase the relationships and experience that I have with these men in my life. Mm-hmm. And so kind of really being vulnerable and, and trying to understand like, okay, is there still a barrier there that mm-hmm. I can kind of bust through so we can get to that, that next level. Right. And, and just, just to be completely honest, like that happened to me last week mm-hmm. um, where I felt like I, I, I had opened up completely with the students and we were having a really good conversation. And then the period ended and the students were like, do you, would it be okay if we actually brought in another teacher mm-hmm. because we connect more with him? Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow. You know, and I was like, I'm completely vulnerable. And I, and I went home and I, and I, was, like, <laughs> and I was like, what, what what's going on? What, like, how come? Like, I, I shared everything with them. Yeah. I'm completely open. And then, you know, my partner said like, well, the way you communicate and your love language. Yeah isn't necessarily what they need, mm-hmm. right? Because right? for me, it's acts of service, acts of service. Mm-hmm. I'm oh, here yeah. for you, I'm going to help you. But it's it's not like the verbal stuff. It's yeah. not that type of affection that a lot of the, mm-hmm. and, and that class that I was with, like 75% young women, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's not what they were craving. Mm-hmm. And so that other teacher they wanted to bring in was, had opened up to them and they kept telling me like, oh yeah, you know, this teacher cried with us and everything. I was like, what, do I have to cry? <laughs> <laughs> no, but... But again, just being vulnerable, being willing to still learn and challenge yourself. Um, And I think more educators, even more administrators need to Mm -hmm. do that, Mm -hmm. right? And just to be human in the space. Yes. Um, Like I said, it's, you know, as as we teach more, as we learn more from the students, we we need to keep that in the classroom and bring it there. Because, you know, I've been in the classroom two decades, and last Mm -hmm. week was the first time that that was brought to my mind. You know, I've always thought of myself as this, ally to women and yeah. every single week I'm challenged like no you, you still have to mm-hmm. challenge your your male supremacist tendency like, <laughs> like uh, unlearn all that stuff right yeah. it's, it's tough because again who are who are the people that are seeing in the other periods mm-hmm. what right. experiences are having elsewhere and it's like as much as we try to do on our own we, we definitely need to make sure that the culturally relevant stuff is happening everywhere it takes a lot of humility too to yeah. be able to reflect daily Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And, and touching on that, like being vulnerable, that's so key in the classroom because students usually look at you, the educator, the teacher as like an authority figure, right? Right. So when you are vulnerable, then it humanizes you and they can connect and they're like, oh, wait a second, Mr. Santos is, you know, um, doesn't know this either or, or can relate in this way or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be, because it brings me back when, when I was in the classroom teaching uh, initially, I obviously I wanted to be the one that knew everything, right? And then obviously over the years, I'm like, okay, I need to show my human side, and I would be vulnerable, and and I would tell the kids like, look, I don't know this, 
let's let's figure this out together. And that was so much more powerful as opposed to me knowing it all or me having, you know, being that authority figure or whatever, keeping up that image or whatever that I thought that, that a teacher needed to, to have. So back to being vulnerable and showing students that is so much more powerful and, and impactful as opposed to the other way around. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I mean, I think we covered, um, and we can have a conversation for as long as we want. <laughs> like it could go on and on and on. Um, but we've covered like quite a bit, you know, why it's important, um, what culture really is and what it can look like and, and how educators can prepare themselves. Um, is there anything else that you guys wanted to add? Or I don't know. I just thought like everything we were talking about just made me think of like how it's our students as like co-creators in the classroom. And it's not just like this set curriculum or this set pacing guide, but they are helping drive everything because we're really here to like serve them and their development or really just facilitate mm-hmm. all the things that they bring and help them, mm-hmm. you know, let that shine. Right. Exactly. Because ultimately it's back to the students, it's all about them. So. I think also to add to that, in light of us wanting to get this TK-12 ball rolling, is having a space for students to push in to do that work as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. We know yes. that these these young adults are very capable of understanding how to design lessons mm-hmm. and work with content that mm-hmm. they can connect to, that they can help create for yeah. other grades. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's another piece we might want to look at is how can we get our students to push in Mm -hmm. and that's part of that PBL right that we can create spaces for students Mm -hmm. to design curriculum that's true yeah so if there's any administrators listening to this (laughs) intent have have student forums right have have focus groups allow them to to really tell the administrators like this is what we need this is what we need to see this is what's working for us rather than surveys and surveys and google forms <laughs> and google forms because you know that that's that's just kind of looking that's just like looking at tardies and absences like, yeah you're not really looking at how connected somebody is and how how genuinely they feel about uh, how important it is to care about the next mm-hmm. person or to understand what their community or who their community is uh, I would love to see those focus groups mm-hmm. like with, yeah. with students, parents, and administrators saying, and, you know, teachers frequently like saying, all right, what should this curriculum look like? Right. Right. Rather than like, okay, this is what we got from the state. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Right. And we're, we're about to have a, a social science textbook adoption possibly right. next year. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. let's get some community voice in there yeah. before we really allow just okay. teachers to just pick. Right. 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 And passing that on to students as as an expectation is not us giving away power mm-hmm. yeah. teaching the students how to have how to find their voices yes. and use that power to you know then bring their the, the students coming up behind them mm-hmm. up with them mm-hmm. exactly all right well thank you guys for being here again yeah, yes. and um Thank you for joining us for this episode. Hopefully our conversation sparks many more conversations for you. And if you'd like to hear more on ethnic studies, make sure you tune into Marissa Viega's podcast titled Teach the Children the Truth, where she shares stories of educators and young scholars who dedicate their lives to teaching any of the branches of ethnic studies. 
can find her podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or Amazon. Until next time.